Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. You have set your dials to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 22. And what makes this episode a little bit different than the ones we've been having recently? Well, we have ourselves a fight card to break down. Woo! It was so fun last night. Oh, my God. For some reason, I was able to spend the worry and the concern about the state of the of the world for a couple hours, well, for a lot of hours, actually, and just watch the fights get totally enveloped into it. It was my first sense of normalcy uh, in a long time. My God, how fun was that? So on today's show, we've got our UFC 249 breakdown. We've got our picks for Wednesday and Saturday. We've got a Twitter question. We've got Dre's drop of the night. We've got call-in questions. And we've got my fantastic interview with the ghost pepper, Eric Gonzalez, Combate America's 155 stud. It'll be so fun. It'll be so cool. Thank you guys so much for checking on in with us. So let's go ahead and dive right in to uh, last night's breakdown. So our first fight was uh, was Span and Alvi at 205. Th- this one started out with Span, uh, you know, closing the distance and getting, getting Smiling Sam in a takedown. Uh, in the second round, it was kind of more of the same. Span seemed to have the, the, the advantage in everything. And then in the third, Smiling Sam turned it up, turned it on, and turned that right hand over and was rocking Span, dude. Sam Alvey clearly won the third, but I thought Span already had put two, uh, two in the bank with rounds one and two. So I think the judges saw the same way. So the decision went to Span. Good showing by Alvey, though. I thought Span was going to run through him. And uh, Smiling Sam showed that. So that veteran grit and hung in there really, really well. Uh, so our next fight at 145 was uh, Bryce Thug, Nasty Mitchell versus Charles Rosa, Boston Strong. Uh, this one, I, I did not expect this to be as one-way traffic as it was. Uh, Rosa is a good ground fighter out of American Top Team, but Bryce Mitchell, man, Thug, Nasty out of uh, Sealy, Arkansas, just was not going to be denied. He down almost at will he was he was trying all kinds of submissions from arm triangles uh it was amazing it was really impressive the, the scrambles the transitions and the way that bryce was able to really control the fight from start to finish so a very clear unanimous decision for thug nasty and he has been told by reebok he is getting those camo shorts that he has been clamoring for for, for many fights in a row so congrats to him on that uh, moving on to the 170 division, Nico, the hybrid price versus Vincente Luque. Uh, this one was a great fight. Holy shit. A striking bonanza. Vincente clearly uh, started out better than Nico. Then Nico fought his way back. They were just so everything. Great leg kicks, calf kicks, punches. Uh, there were some nice elbows in there. It was just a fucking beautiful fight. Unfortunately, in the third, Nico's eye opened up huge, and uh, the doctor had no choice but to stop the fight. There was no way he could have seen that, but that was clearly the the fight of the prelims, right? I mean, my God, what a barn burner. Fantastic performance by both guys. Can't wait to see whether one of them should drop at all. I mean, really, it was that close. It was that, that exciting. What a fight. Uh, moving on to the next one. Unfortunately, it was not that at all. My girl, Michelle, the Karate Hottie Watterson versus the Cookie Monster, Carla Esparza. This was, like, boring. <laughs> I hate to say it because I love, I love the women's division. I love the 115-pound division in particular. I love Michelle Watterson so much. This was a lot of 
circling and looking at each other and maybe a technique or two and then a lot more looking at each other. It was just really uneventful. I actually thought Michelle did enough to win, but the judges saw it differently. Uh, it was kind of weird. One judge had a 30-27 for Carla. One judge had a 30-27 for Michelle. And then the other judge had it for Carla at 29-28. So uh, Carla Sparza gets the win, but man, that was not that was not a good fight. So yeah, hopefully they both get uh, different opponents next time. That'll kind of bring out more excitement. Uh, and But again, I'm still a super... Super Michelle Watterson fan, as I know my girl Pokemama91 is as well. Uh, we, we talk about her quite extensively. So, uh, Moving on to my division, my boys, the heavyweight, Fabrizio Verdum coming off of his two-year absence, we'll call it, versus uh, versus Lexi Olenek. Lexi Olenek came out like a fucking madman in the first round, dude. He threw every fucking strike in his arsenal, just punch, 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 punch. Uh, dude, Verdun was on his back heels. He was getting rocked. He was getting pieced up. Uh, fortunately, his um, we'll call it his veteran savvy uh, allowed him to stay in the fight. And in the second and the third, I thought Verdun actually eked out enough to win. He had some sub attempts. He had some nice takedowns. He was able to avoid damage. He had some really nice knees from the plum position. Uh, from the Muay Thai clinch. So I, I thought Verdum actually won the second and the third, but the fight ended up being called for uh, Olenek by UD. So, <clears throat> I mean, it wasn't a robbery by any sense, but I kind of thought either Verdum won or it could have been a draw because that first round definitely could have been called a 10-8 uh, for Alexi. But, you know, clearly Verdum did not look like he usually does. He looked a little heavier, looked a little softer. But I still thought he put on a pretty good second and third round. So uh, congratulations to Alexi. I, again, I always try to mention, I love seeing two guys who are actually older than myself uh, competing in the UFC. It just it makes me happy. I don't know. Maybe you guys will get there once you get to mine. <laughs> so very cool. Uh, going into the uh, – because the Jacare and Uriah Hall fight was canceled because Jacare – uh, was the only fighter who tested positive for the COVID. So the that was the one fight that was taken off in the prelims. So now we moved into Anthony Pettis versus Cowboy Cerrone. Everybody, I love both of these guys, just to preface this. I love both these guys. Cowboy is one of my top two or three favorite fighters of all time. I've always liked Anthony Pettis. This was a fight that I thought um, Anthony Pettis was going to win. I didn't know it was going to be this close, and I really i am glad that it was, right? After after Cowboy's last performance against Connor, you know, you had no other conclusion but to think maybe he was donezo. He fucking is not, okay? The two of these guys had a great back and forth. Donald, I think, was landing more a little bit, but I thought Anthony's shots were harder and doing more damage. A really fun fight. Both guys had a good showing of themselves. It turned out to be a decision for Pettis, but it was very close. Uh, I, I loved this fight. I loved Cowboy kind of being back to old school Cowboy. So, yeah, I was a big fan of uh, this one. Looking forward to see what they both do next. Uh, moving on to the main card. Um, everybody who listens to the show knows I, I, I dislike Greg Hardy very, very much. I was hoping DeCastro was going to go in there and piece him out. It didn't happen. It was a super boring fight. Lame on all fronts. Boring again. Hardy gets the decision, and I'm moving on from it. <laughs> so we'll go to Calvin Cater versus uh, Jeremy Lil Heathen Stevens. And I saw a lot of funny things on Twitter about take the Lil out of there. You're a grown man. Be at least called medium or regular size Stevens. But that was really funny. So again, I was looking forward to this one because Jeremy always brings it, and so does Calvin. 
round one, it was, it was typically aggressive. Jeremy coming forward, he had some good success. Uh, but, you know, as the fight wore on, Calvin Cater showed that he was the superior fighter. He was really starting to piece Jeremy up. And then that beautiful step-in right elbow put Jeremy on his ass and out. What a job by Calvin Cater. He is such a crisp boxer. His footwork is so good. He, I really like this kid. I really see him going far uh, in the division. So, yeah, keep your eyes out for Calvin Cater in the next year or two. What a fun, what a fun drop, dude. What a fun KO. And, you know, Jeremy Stevens is what he is. He's always going to bring it. He's always going to be fun and exciting. And that's really, there's nothing, there's nothing bad to say about him, honestly. So, uh, yeah, moving our way into the near decapitation of the night, Francis Ngannou versus Jerusino Rosenstruik. This one didn't take long, folks. We had 20 seconds of fight. Ngannou threw uh, like, a, like a four punch, wild winging punches combo with the first three missing bad. And then the fourth one being a left hook that hit Rosen strike square on the chin, put him into orbit. He falls back in the cage. Unfortunately for him, Francis followed up with a couple more while he was out before the referee could get in there and get him away. Jeez, oh, Louise. I called. I, I mean, that's what I predicted. I said it was going to be a first-round KO for Ngannou, but I didn't think it was going to be that quick. Oh, my goodness. What a brutal, brutal KO. So, another big one for uh, Ngannou. We'll have to wait and see what's next for him. Uh, then moving our way up to the first championship bout of the evening, Triple C, Henry Cejudo versus Dominic, the decisionator, Cruz. Uh, I think leg kicks were really the, the main story for the early part of the fight. That was a great game plan on Henry's part to to incorporate leg kicks into him and try to slow the movement of Dom Cruz down. And, you know, every time that Dom kind of shot in on him, uh, Henry stuffed it, and they continued to kind of circle and kind of chase and cut off Dominic Cruz. <laughs> and then, as we all saw, boy, that fucking knee to Dom's head was a brutal knee. Sent Dom flailing into the back. Triple C pounced on him. Uh, hit him with one more shot while he was kind of in a seated position and then took his back and started to land shots from the side. He landed seven or eight real quick, short shots. The referee jumped in, stopped the fight. Dominic Cruz immediately was protesting, you know, which he's known to kind of do. <laughs> I thought it was very clearly a good stoppage. I saw some mixed stuff online. But for me, that was a clear-cut stoppage. He wasn't defending himself. He had just gotten dropped in a brutal fashion. That was the right call. So Triple C gets the win via TKO of the knee. Uh, he then gets on the mic and proceeds to retire. Okay? I've got air quotes that you can't see because we're a full audio show. But he retired, and we'll actually get to more of that. I'll expound on that uh, when we get to the uh, questions part of the show. So Triple C, you know, Defends his 135 belt, and then as of right now, is saying he is retired. So, Dom Cruz, I think you really need to retire, dude. It's, it's time you are a great and uh, a great analytical mind. You're a good uh, analyst, and you should just you know go back into that, save your body from any more torment that you put in over the years. So now we are we are at the point of our show where we're going to go over the main event. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we. <laughs> assumingly we have all been watching fights for a long time and every once in a while you get a matchup like this where you're like gosh this really has the potential to be a really an incredible stand-up war and oftentimes it doesn't 
you know, live up to the hype. Last night, 100%, dude, okay? What a fight. Oh, my God. Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje from the jump. They were landing huge shots. Justin's leg kicks. Tony returning them. Uh, he had a couple of nice spinning back kicks onto Justin's midsection. Tony dropped him with a beautiful uppercut at the end of the round. But then from kind of from that point forward, Justin Gaethje really took control. Justin was just hammering Tony with overhand rights and left hooks. And in all the exchanges, even his jabs were snapping Tony back. And Tony's face was wearing the damage. He was cut open bad. Uh, he was swollen up. And then thankfully, after three rounds, pretty much, of, of Gaethje getting more and more and more, uh, towards the end of the fifth, Herb Dean had seen enough. Justin hit Tony with something else that made him get skates, gave him those Bambi legs, as we used to like to say in my gym. And he was kind of skating around, and he didn't need any more damage. And mercifully, Herb Dean stops the fight. Justin Gaethje with a fifth round, end of the fifth round, really, TKO over Tony Ferguson. Wow. I mean, what a fight. So Justin is the new interim champion. Tony, you know, again, does this make him a bad fighter because he lost? No. Tony Ferguson is a phenomenal fighter, and I don't think he's done. And I think we could still see him at a top tier. Last night was just Justin's night. That was the best performance of Justin Gaethje's career. Uh, I picked him to win by decision. He won very close to that with a, with a late TKO. So, uh, kudos to Justin, Tony, and you have a legion of fans. You are a phenomenal fighter, and I look forward to seeing what you have next. I'm sure there's still plenty left in the tank of uh, El Kakui. So that will conclude our breakdown of last week's, uh, last week's, last night's 249 from Jacksonville. Uh, from this point, we are going to give our girl Drea on the horn. We'll give Drea a call and get her on the horn, and we're going to break down or at least have our picks for this Wednesday and this Saturday show from Jacksonville. So, Drea, I'm going to go ahead and get started with, um, we're just going to do the main cards for these two cards because it's two cards. So, I've got Vittori uh, beating Roberson by unanimous decision in the first fight on Wednesday for the main card. What do you have? Um, I'm going with Vittori as well, but I, I think it's going to be a submission. I'm going second round submission for Vittori. Oh, we have second round submission for the Italian Vittori. I like it. All right. We've got Ray Borg versus Ricky Simone uh, for the next fight. Ray Borg is a, he's a very good 125er. He's both good on the ground and on his feet. Ricky Simone is definitely a jujitsu guy. Um, I, I'm sticking with Ray Borg. I don't think it's going to be the most exciting fight in the world. So I've got Ray Borg by a pretty clear cut unanimous decision over Ricky Simone. I disagree with you on that one. I'm actually, um, I'm thinking it's going to go the full fight, but I think Simone is going to, is going to take the decision on that one. Uh, I like it when we disagree. It's always fun that way. <laughs> <laughs> Our next one is uh, Alexander the Great. I say that with my eyes rolling. Hernandez. Uh, I, got him, I got him beating Drew Dober. I like Drew Dober better. Drew Dober is a very exciting fighter. Uh, he throws everything really, really hard. I like Drew Dober. I just think Alexander Hernandez has got to feel like his back is against the wall, and he's going to put on a really good performance. So I've got... Alexander Hernandez uh, beating Drew Dober in it by a second round TKO this Wednesday. Wow, we're almost the same on that one. Um, I have 
uh, Hernandez winning as well, but I went with a TKO in the third round. TKO in the third round for who? For Hernandez. Oh, okay. Yeah, it broke up just a little bit for me on that one. All right, so for uh, Hernandez, let's move our way to the heavyweight fight. He moving up to heavyweight to fight Big Ben Rothwell, who any fans of CSWR know. I can't stand Ben Rothwell. I don't like him. I'm never going to pick him. I don't care who he's fighting. <laughs> so I've got OSP with a third-round submission via OSP choke of Big Ben Rothwell in this one. Dre, what do you got? Oh, man, I got to go against you on this one. Um, I'm going to take Ben Rothwell, and I think it's going to be a round two KO. I think he's going to knock him out. Oh, once again, we are in disagreement, Drea. I love it. So, moving on to the main event for Wednesday's card, we've got Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. I think Glover's time has come and gone. I think Anthony Smith, coming off of the uh, the Jones fight, I think he's going to be very hungry. I look forward to seeing what he's got. I think he takes out Glover early. I've got Anthony Smith defeating Glover Teixeira, first-round KO. What about you? I agree with you. I am taking Anthony Smith in this fight as well, but um, I say third round TKO for Anthony Smith. Got it. So we have our we have our whole main card picks for Wednesday's card in Jacksonville taken care of there. Uh, I think we differed on three of them, which is actually really fun. That way we can continue <laughs> just like we did last night and we could talk shit to each other via messaging. <laughs> That's good. Um, so then we have a Saturday main card to pick. So I'll go ahead and get us lead off with, uh, I've got Sung over there also by unanimous decision. What do you have in that one? I have Sung Yudong, um winning as well, but I say by TKO in the second. Okay. And then here we go with my boy, also known as your boy, Eric Anders, a, a former, contestant or interviewee on combat sports with rhino my guy uh i love this dude i don't know if i can ever pick against eric anders again i got him beating jocko by a second round devastating ko rhino gang eric anders all fucking day second round KO over jocko all right and i'm gonna go ahead and agree with you on that one the only difference is gonna be by the round i'm going eric anders by ko in the third Oh, okay. All right. Uh, this next one I am very excited for. Uh, we got Barbosa and Ike. Barbosa dropping down to 45, which I'm, I don't know what he's going to look like. I hope he still keeps that power. And if he does, and the speed and the leg kicks, I've got Barbosa beating Ike by a third-round TKO, but not via punches, via leg kicks. I'm going real specific. I'm calling my shot on this one. I've got <laughs> Barbosa winning by leg kick TKO, third round versus the very tough Ige out of Hawaii. I agree with you on that. I am taking Barbosa as well. Um, I'm going to take a KO in the second round. Ooh, I'm going full KO. Drea, Drea's going full KO. She goes full I'm KO. going full KO on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that power. I like you said, I don't know if he's gonna have that same power, you know, going down in weight, but but man, I I think he can pull it off. Yeah, I do too. So uh then we've got Angela Hill versus Claudia Gedalia in the one fifteen division. 
And I think that I love Claudia. I have her forever. Um, I think that Angela Hill is peaking at the right time. Her Muay Thai has looked so good as of late. I, I really like what I've seen from Angela Hill. So kind of surprisingly, even myself, I'm picking Angela Hill to beat Claudia uh, by unanimous decision. Not split. Not you know, not, Really, I think it's going to be a clear cut. Probably two rounds to one for Angela Hill. What do you have? Uh, the same, actually. I took Angela Hill winning by unanimous decision. All right. We are in agreement on that one. So moving into our main event for Saturday's card, we've got Aster Overeem versus Walt Harris. Um, and this is kind of pulls on the old heartstrings because obviously Walt Harris, for those of you who don't know, his, uh, his stepdaughter was, uh, was killed uh, a few months back, and it was a it was a horrible thing. You know, she was missing for a while. And so, of course, all, all you know, emotion feeling goes to Walt Harris in that situation. Um, and just if we're going from a purely like technical combat sports show perspective, I think that Overeem possesses too many tools for Walt Harris. Even though Overeem has been stopped uh, bad, you know, a few times, and Walt Harris has huge power, I think Overeem is going to be fairly cautious. He's got way too many tools in the in the in the tool shed to be able to use versus Walt, who's very much a you know a puncher. So for me, I've got a second round TKO for Overeem is what I think is going to happen. My heart kind of wants Walt Harris to win to kind of you know for the feel good part of it. So, but I, again, I got I got Alistair Overeem second round TKO over Big Walt Harris. Okay, so I feel you on that as far as the. Um you know, my heart goes out to Walt Harris. Um, but I, th I think, I think he's going to take this. I love Alistair. I, I always have I've been a huge fan for a long time. And, um, I actually share my birthday with him. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I've always been an Alistair fan. Um, but with everything Walt's been through, um, coming back, I just feel like he's going to have that. His heart's going to be all in it. He's, you know, I, I'm taking Walt Harris on this one, and I think it's going to be by KO um, in the second round. That's that's totally understandable. Like I said, if that's actually what happens, I will have no problem taking the L on that pick on that pick because uh, you know, obviously, Walt Harris and his family been through so much. It'd be great to see him get a win uh, on that card. So yeah, that's that's going to wrap up our fight picks for Wednesday and Saturday's card main cards. Uh, now we're going to roll into Dre's drop of the night. Oh, Dre, you had quite a few to choose from. Which one did you land on for Dre's drop of the night? Holy shit. So, about last night, <laughs> we had uh, some awesome fights, like you said, some great drops. And uh, to be honest, the choice was actually difficult for me because there were two really that really stood out to me um, for different reasons. But, um, I have to pick one, so I'm going with Nganu's murder-like KO of <laughs> Rosenstrike. Um, holy crap, that was a KO from hell. So just 20 seconds into round one, Nganu threw that flurry of strikes, hitting him, and you know that left hook just dropped him, knocked him out cold. So that's what I'm going to go with for my, my drop of the night. But... I have to give an honorable mention to Calvin Cater for his TKO stoppage win, uh, winning over Jeremy Stevens. That elbow that he threw and dropped him, it was it was beautiful. But that's just an honorable mention. I am keeping my drop of the night 
within Ghana. Yeah, dude. The, the thing about Ngannou was it was the sheer power of it that was so impressive. And the thing yes. with Calvin, the thing with Calvin was how beautiful a technique and the timing. Right. On that. So yeah, you can see definitely how they were both phenomenal uh, drops, and then they were just kind of two different styles of drop. But yeah, I'm with you. I would have picked Ngannou too because yeah, oh I mean, I had to just because that was one of those like holy shit, like. You know, when I was watching it with the kids and it was when it happened, everyone was just like, oh, my God. You know, it was it was so shocking. But me being, you know, I love kickboxing. I love Muay Thai. And when there's an elbow, you know, KO like that, like I to me that the tech, you know, the technical stuff like that really it, it gets me. So I honestly I kind of wanted to go with that one. But for pure, you know, oh, my God. The shocking stuff, obviously, we had to go with. Got <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. Well, Drea, once again, we are so appreciative of you taking the time to to be on the show again today. Uh, keep an eye out for Drea's new drop of the night graphic done by our graphic designer, the Einstein of Graphic Design, D. Fret. A man, Dave Fret, at Dave Fret, and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram, for those of you who don't know. Uh, and uh, Drea, thank you so much again, and we will talk to you next week. All right. See you next week. Okay, so Fight Fans, what we're going to do today is we are going to, normally I have Drea read the Twitter questions, but um, just for continuity's sake, I'm going to read uh, my Twitter question from Cyrus King, and then I'm going to go right into the voice uh, the voice question. So uh, the first question, and I'm paraphrasing, but Cyrus basically asks, uh, you know, he, he wanted to avoid having the conversation who the greatest combat sports athlete of all time is, but Seeing what Henry did last night and seeing his accomplishments, does he deserve to be in that conversation? And yes, my friend uh, Cyrus. Uh, and then once again, follow Cyrus King, man, at Cyrus King. He is he is such a great friend of the show. He's such a great friend to everybody. Not only his fight takes, but his food, uh, his breakdowns are so awesome. So definitely give Cyrus a follow. Uh, but yeah, dude, to get back to your question, without a doubt, you have to put Henry Cejudo in the conversation of the best combat sports athlete uh, to date. You don't get to win an Olympic gold medal in wrestling without being top of the top of the top team, right? Then, in addition to that, to not only win one, but to win two division championships in the UFC being a phenomenal fighter. So, you combine the top-tier wrestling with the top-tier fighting. Yeah, dude, you have to. I know Alistair Overeem has won uh, championships both MMA and in kickboxing. He's got to be in the conversation too, and I'm sure there's plenty of others. But yeah, just to answer your question specifically, my friend, yes, as much as I dislike his behavior and the things that he says and his whole cringy, you know, feel that he's had going on for a long time, he definitely belongs with those credentials in the conversation of best overall combat sport athlete in the world. So thank you so much for writing it, friend. Uh, now we're going to move on to our voice questions. And I know our first one comes from the big home, Jim Asoo. And Jim, what do you have for us today? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? All right, uh, Rhino, my question for you this week is, uh, what do you think of Henry's little stunt there with uh, pulling the old vibe? I retire now. Uh, I think it's ridiculous because I think it's just because he knows that uh, Peter Yan was just going to rip his head off if he got a chance. And he wasn't going to allow that to happen. There's no way he's going to go with a loss. So that's my theory. 
and I'm fucking sticking to it, you know what I'm saying? Alright, that's my question, buddy. Keep up the great work, you guys are just killing it. Uh, oh, shit, yeah, what is it, it's 4 o'clock in the morning? Uh, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Alright, good night, and it's always 420, peace. Oh, the big homie Jim Asun. That's a great question. Yeah, dude, I'm with you. I seriously doubt the retirement is real. Um, for me, this is just kind of a ploy to to get some leverage to renegotiate his pay scale. I'm sure he's trying to hold out for some more money. Um, that's yeah, that's what I think about that. Uh, I think he also probably wants to give himself a break, right? Because if you don't, if you're not in the mix and you're done or you're retired, uh, no one's going to be calling you and asking you for fights. So this is probably just kind of a dual ploy to take a break from fighting and training for a while and, you know, use this leverage for a negotiation tactic uh, with Dana and the brass at the UFC. I do think Petrion might play a small part in it, but um, again, I, I think it's the first two things that I brought up and, but, but for me, I'm with you. I think Petrion, whenever he does get a chance to fight for the title, he's going to hold it for a long time. And I doubt triple C has, uh, not thought about that. You know what I mean? I'm sure that's been on his mind at least someone. So yeah, I don't believe in the retirement at all. I think in six months or something, we'll start to hear that, you know, his name being included as too far as, uh, returning and defending his belt. So I'm agreeing with you. And as we all know, it is not a combat sports with Ryder show without my man, Jim Bassoon. So thank you so much for your question, sir. Now, next, we've got my boy, Ryan, also known as Mixed Man from up in Minnesota. And what do you have for us today, Ryan? Hey, Rhino. It's your buddy, Mixed Man here. Do you know my name is actually Ryan, and people call me Rhino sometimes, and it drives me fucking bananas. But that's not why I'm calling in. I'm calling in. I'm going to skip that main card because I know you're going to get a lot of questions about that. But I want to know what the ceiling is for Bryce Mitchell. That kid looks fucking phenomenal. I mean, he was busy as shit on the floor. I think I'm looking forward. Bryce Mitchell versus Ryan Hall. What do you think? What's next for the kid? Uh, do you think he's at that level? I, I don't want to see him get the Darren Till treatment. You know, um, I, I don't want to see him get rushed into big fights. I'd love to let him develop and, you know, slowly work his way to the top of I, I see big things for the kid. Want to see what, what you think, and hope you're well, buddy. Yeah, dude, Bryce Mitchell. And I, and I think I talked about it on a, a couple shows ago, who I thought was going to be a future uh, contender for a belt who's early in their career. For me, it's definitely Bryce Mitchell's on the list. Uh, he's definitely going to be a future title contender, I think, at 145. I do think he needs two to three more before kind of getting into that top tier. Uh, I know you mentioned Ryan Hall. I saw last night on Twitter somebody mentioned Brian Ortega. I don't think he's there yet. I think he needs two to three more before we start to include him in that conversation. I know he's comfortable in Arkansas, and I know that's his home, and I know that's where he enjoys his training. And look at how good he's been able to become training there. I think he's going to have to make a move to a bigger gym with higher-level training partners before he can kind of take that next step. I don't know whether that's AKA or, or Albuquerque or wherever the fuck, but he's going to have to get some higher level training partners if he wants to become a, a championship caliber contender at 145. So he's got all the tools you need, especially on the ground. I'm sure he needs to shore up his stand up some, but what an impressive win he had last night. And I really look forward to seeing what the kid has next uh, down the road. So thank you so much for that question, Ryan. 
Uh, I know our next one comes from my homie Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. Now, Juice, what do you have for us today? Rhino, it is Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. Shouts all the Rhino gang. I am here to concede defeat. Um, If uh, anyone listening also listens to my show and Rhinos, they'll know that we were pretty much against each other on the main card. And obviously Rhino got those right, um, except for Greg Hardy. We all lost on that one. I mean, we really did. But I come to you with a different question. My question is this. First off, I'm a little worried for the other two events that are going on. Here's why. Jacare test positive. And the whole system that they said, when, when they said the system worked, which is that he came on fight week and said that he had been in contact with people with symptoms, his family members, and so he was quote-unquote isolated. And we all know that wasn't entirely true. Um, and then he test positive two days later. I'm not sure that they have the amount of time for this Wednesday event and then the subsequent Saturday event to put those measures in place if the test results take two days. There's weight cuts, there's uh, weight checks, everything like that that they do on fight week. What are your thoughts? Love the show. Love you. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, the home is used. So the question to answer your question, man, no. No, dude, I don't think they do. <laughs> You're a thousand percent correct. Um, I do, however, think they both will go on. There might be another fighter or two who who pop. I shouldn't say pop. That sounds the right word. Who test positive for COVID. It's possible. Um, but I still think the shows are going to go on. Is it enough time? No, no, it's not. But I think things are going to go on as scheduled. Uh, the the thing is this, man, and I, I don't, I don't even like using this term, but it's true. It's the risk to reward. You know, it's these guys and not only the fighters themselves, but people in production, people involved in putting these shows on. They have to, you know, assess the risk to reward. Is it worth me putting myself in possible uh, jeopardy of getting this? Or is it more for the reward of getting paid for my job and for keeping my job and for being able to put food on the table and bills paid and so on and so forth? So can they make this as safe as possible in two days or a week? Probably not, but I know they're doing what they can with the time they have allotted themselves to do it. So there's at least that. But no, to answer your question specifically, no. Safety-wise, this is not the most ideal situation, but... I think they're doing the best they can given the time parameters that they have. So, and yes, thank you so much for calling in juice. If you guys haven't already done it before, definitely check out the fighting with myself podcast with my homie juice. He sings, he's got great takes on MMA, he's super duper fun. And yes, I appreciate that you concede that I beat you last night in our fix, particularly on the main card. So thank you, my friend juice. Love you back, buddy. All right. So now it is time. For the segment that I love probably the most, 10 Rounds with Rhino with Combati, America's 155 standout stud, Eric the Ghost Pepper Gonzalez. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, fans of Combat Sports with Rhino, we have a very special treat today. A spicy treat, you might say. We've got ourselves Combati, America's top tier 155er, Eric the Ghost Pepper Gonzalez. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, man. So far, so good. It's been a lovely day, beautiful day out, too. Yeah, you're out in California, and, you know, here in Michigan, it's beautiful and sunny and 70, so I can only imagine what it looks like out there when it's already normally beautiful. All right, for real, man. It's been a – the summer's starting to kick in a little bit, so it's getting warmer outside. It's, it's nice, man. Oh, yeah, that's super cool, dude. So, uh, yeah, bro, and uh, first the first round with Rhino is almost always the same with whoever I have on. I love hearing the backstory. So how did the – how did the seedling get planted to then become 
the ghost pepper that we know today. So how'd you get into MMA? Um, you know what? It actually uh, started when I was in eighth grade. Uh, I wanted to play football. And uh, uh, my brother's older. He was a wrestler uh, over at South Torrance. That's where I went to high school. And uh, I went in for, uh, for the summer program for wrestling. And I got hooked, man. So uh, coming my freshman year, I went into varsity. And uh, when I hit age 15, I was going to the gym from wrestling and everything. And then uh, I saw an MMA class upstairs at the gold gym where I used to go to. And uh, walked in there and I uh, asked if I could take the class and uh, got to feel the first leg kick I've ever felt. Probably one of the hardest ones, too. <laughs> by, <laughs> by one of the instructors, man. And I just uh, I actually really enjoyed uh, I actually really enjoyed it for some reason. And uh I kind of just started taking MMA from there, man. I just uh, never looked back. And then after high school, didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. I was kind of a troublemaker my, myself, and uh, I just needed some structure. So uh, I signed up for MMA and uh, kind of went from there, and it just took off. Oh, that's very cool, dude. So you, you've you been with Combate Americas for several years now. You're kind of a wily veteran when it comes to the promotion. Um, the the style, for those of fans out there of uh, – Combat Sources Run who have not were not familiar with with Combate Americas. A, you should be, and B, it's a very high paced uh, style of fighting. Now, you yourself, Eric, are a very high paced, high output fighter. So I see it as being the perfect fit. I mean, I, I imagine you gotta you gotta feel the same way, right? Oh, absolutely, man. Um, I've been with them since Combate Ocho, so you know, uh, it's been quite a while. I think it's going four years now, and. Uh, you know, I've had many shows with them, and uh, I've seen the progression where they've had from going from UFC Fight Pass to to being on TUDN to to uh, Univision now and, and Access TV. Right. But you know, I've been around the block with them, and uh, absolutely, man, they're they're very fast. They they came very quick and making statements very very well over in South in Southern America mostly right now. But I'm, we're making our way to the U.S. and uh, you know, I, I don't expect anything less, and I expect the promotion to grow and be one of the biggest ones. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, that, that kind of transitioned us into our next one. So um, I've interviewed Campbell for my show, and I've actually had some just random phone call and, like, conversations with the guy. And, I mean, what a ball of energy. What a passionate man. What a great promoter and, and funny guy. Um, what's it like working for somebody like that who is so uh, out there with his words and passionate? And, like, what's it like to kind of have that guy be the boss? Uh, you know, it's, it's actually really cool, man. You know, he, he really likes to take care of us, uh, you know, his fighters and that's what kept me around, man. Um, his energy and his positivity and continuing, continue to growth. And he's open to, he's always, I always see his like, always see interviews that he has, uh, you know, so he's just a big ball of joy, man. He's really wild and out there and, and you don't really see that with promoters, you know, so, or people that own companies, especially like Combat the Americas. And to hit a market the way he did so fast and to get the viewers that he gets now and we get as as fighters, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, um, you know, I couldn't be happier having a boss like that. And, and I know he's a fan of myself. He said it himself. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I, I just, as long as I continue to, to fight and, and make it interesting, then, you know, I continue to grow with them. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. That's exactly how to, what I would think it would be like working with somebody. He just seems so cool and he's, he's so fun to talk to. And it's just, it's hard he has that infectious personality. It's hard not to uh, get on board with what he's talking about. So, yeah, very cool, man. Uh, so, in addition to being a pro fighter, I know you are a big-time gamer, uh, Mr. Ghost Pepper. Uh, what is your game of choice 
uh, at least going right now? Like, what's what's the flavor of uh, right now? Um, actually, right now it's a Call of, the, Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, it's the big ah. one, the BR style type of game, and uh, that's that's literally what I've been hooked on. Uh, I was supposed to, I was competing in a tournament all, a couple days ago, but uh, it was tough, man. So we didn't make it past the second round. But uh, you know, it was always a good run, and you learn a lot from them. So it, it's it's very fun, man. It's very it's very. Uh, you got to really think when you're playing those type of games. It's not just like shooting and killing. You know, you got to be tactical and and uh, have a high have a high IQ with your plays because. Uh, you could lose at any moment, you know? Yeah, I definitely have been seeing a lot of chatter about that particular game on uh, on Twitter. I got to be honest with you. I like video games. I always have. But I always have kind of been a sports video game guy. And I'm, I'm, I'm like 15 years older than you, I think, or something. So <laughs> uh, for me, I've never played online gaming or any of that. Like, I just like getting, like, the new Madden when it comes out and then playing with my buddy. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of the level that I'm at. But I've seen what, I've seen what gaming has become. I've seen... You know, I know you're you're on Twitch, correct? Yeah, yeah. I like know. I've seen how Twitch has grown and kind of the, the whole League of Legends being on ESPN two and whatnot. So it's definitely a a huge industry that I I'm just learning more and more about every day. So yeah, very cool, bro. Um, so you've had a super, you had maybe the most active 2019 of any pro fighter in the entire world. You had six fights. Four of them went to decision in 2019. That's a that's a, that's a ton of cage time, dude. Um, some fighters don't get that in three years. Like, how do you feel like you were able to physically pull that off? Not just physically, but mentally. I mean, you know, you know how it is for a fight camp. It's draining. You were able yeah. to do it six six times in 19. What do you attribute that to? Um, you know, that was actually my goal for 2019. I I, I wasn't expecting to hit it, but the tournament that happened in December was the one that made it happen for me. But, uh, you know, when I, when it comes to preparing myself mentally, man, I don't even really think about that, uh, you know, and I just, I just like to fight, man. I enjoy it. And if you give me a call, you know, if they get, when they give me a call again, you know, I'm always ready. I'm ready to fight. And I actually, I genuinely enjoy it and I have fun in there, man. I don't, I don't see this as a job. I just see this as like a, like, you know, a really fucking addicting hobby that I have. And, uh, you know, I, I love it, man. I love being, the more time I get in the cage, the better, you know, the more fights I get, the, you know, the more prepared I am for the next, you know, the more prepared I am for even the fights ahead of me that I don't even know about yet. Right. That's, that's amazing. Now, so going right along with that fight science, MMA in LA, that's your gym. Um, the only fighter I was familiar with on the roster is Taco Padilla. I know he trains or did trade out of there as well. What can you tell us about the, uh, the camp over there or the gym? over there at Fight Science MMA out in Los Angeles? Well, we had a lot of fighters uh, that were with my coach, but they, uh, a lot of them, had re- uh, not a lot, but a decent amount had moved gyms. We had Terry on Ware. We had Vince C- C- Cachero. Uh, oh, okay. You know, Ian Harris uh, worked with a lot of good fighters. John Robles, uh, Christos Siaknos, that used to work with him. Uh, you know, so we've had the background for great, amazing fighters. Uh, you know, Taco Padilla is the only one that really, that's mostly my, my training partner, but he gives me the work and, so, you yeah. know, I, I, you know, as you can see in my fights, you know, it, the work shows itself. And, uh, you know, uh, at, at the end of the day, man, we, we have a lot of up and coming fighters that are amateurs that are still growing with us and uh, they're doing very sure. good for themselves. So to me, it's a, uh, you know, it's not about how many training partners you have. It's a, uh, it's, you know, it's how good the training partner you have, you know, that, that really puts in the work for you, you know? Uh, Absolutely. You can have like 30 training partners and we'll, it's not equivalent to having one amazing, great 
you know, one amazing fighter that, that will give you the work every single day. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. The deeper the pool to have of guys and girls to to work with, the absolute better it's going to be. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, keep watch your back. Kings MMA Fight Science MMA is coming through <laughs> LA, boy. Uh, so, <laughs> so if so, you're a really well-rounded guy. That's one thing I've noticed from. I'd say probably watching your career over the past two or three years, the there's no holes in the game. You know what I mean? Um, I've really noticed your ability to get off your back has been something that's been, I've seen a lot of improvement on in the last few fights. Uh, you don't just, you know what I mean? You can get right back up or you are immediate to attack with a sub as opposed to that kind of in between time of kind of figuring it out. That's definitely something I've noticed that you've sharpened up on. Um, what would you say is the aspect of your MMA game that you've seen, like the best development of just say in the past two or three years? Um, you know, my striking is actually the best development I've had. Um, I've always been a ground fighter myself when I first started. Uh, most of my subs are an amateur. Uh, but my striking, man, has been the most that's increased in the past, like, three years, man. If you look at my career from amateur to now, um, you know, and you look at my striking, uh, I would say, you know, I've gotten more fearless and, and more comfortable in the pockets and being able to rock forward and, and exchanging with guys. And, and, you know, I would say that uh, it's all that that's what it is, man. My striking is, is only it's always getting better. It's always different. It's it's never the same type of striking. I'm always adapting. And, uh, you know, I got to thank my coach for that for sure. But uh, you know. yeah, yeah, for sure. Your striking is definitely always I've, I've always thought your striking was good, particularly because um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how tall you are. I'm six one heavyweight and I have a 74 inch reach and you are, you know, under six foot, 155 and you've got a 74 inch reach. So I feel like you've always got the length on who almost everybody who you fought. And I thought it's always been good, but you're right. It has definitely looked sharper, uh, in the last few. And you've really had to use it a lot because these fights, like I said, the last few have been gone to decision. That's a ton of exchanges. And you really seem to be comfortable in the pocket and keeping the right range for the vast majority of the time. So yeah, I, I definitely co-sign on your assessment of that. Uh, Ghost Pepper, as you as all my listeners know, I always have to include at least one food-related question in Ten Rounds with Rhino because I'm a bit of a foodie, and uh, I always <laughs> like I always like to uh, find out. So you get the chance to indulge on one thing. What is it, and where is it from? Um. You know, I actually, uh, after weigh-ins, uh, uh, I kind of tend to mix it up a lot, but if I had to narrow it down, man, uh, I just, I'm a good, I'm a, I'm a bigger, I'm a big guy on, uh, on, uh, burgers, man, burgers and fries. Uh, I just, Fuck yeah. I love burgers and fries, man. Uh, I actually work at a burger joint or was before all this pa- <laughs> pandemic happened. Sure. And, uh, you know, I usually go there, which is the islands, uh, islands burgers. And uh, I get my Hawaiian burger with my uh, junior cheddar fries, bro. And that's usually what I indulge on because uh, it always hits the spot, never disappointed. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, that's pretty much it. I can't, I can't hear Hawaiian burger without thinking of the uh, Big Kahuna burger from Pulp Fiction. That's the first oh. thing that comes to my mind when I hear about it. That actually burger. didn't even cross my mind until right now. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, dude, uh, Kabaddi Americas, like I said, and and Campbell kind of got irked at me when I brought this up. And, and I didn't. I don't think I meant it the way he thought I meant it. But what I what I was trying to say was, Kabaddi Americas has a huge audience, right? It, it, but it's not the same audience, I think, that watches every UFC or every Bellator or every PFL. I, it, it's almost brand specific. You know what I'm talking about? Like, just yeah. really, really loyal fans to that promotion. And um, so it, it, it comes to, like, 
hundreds of thousands of people uh, are watching that now, dude. Like, I've been on TV once in my 21 fight career, and it was like a local Fox, you know, affiliate. So you mm -hmm. are being seen by literally hundreds of thousands, if not more, if you include, you know, YouTube and whatnot after the fight. So is this kind of a motivating factor? Does that cross your mind? when you're either training or like prepping for a fight that like, Hey dude, you know, not only do I want to do this for my friends and my family, my teammates and myself, but there's going to be a lot of eyes on me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, um, the fact that, uh, that we get a fight on TV and, uh, I fight on a, you know, I've gotten the privilege to fight on Univision to UDN. And I grew up on all that, man. I, I watched America. That was my team back when I was a kid, you know? And, uh, I, I was always watching that because my, my, my whole family is Mexican, man, and uh, that's all they used to watch. So, you know, the fact that uh, I had my grandparents and my cousins and my family and they see me on there during commercials, like, that's a big motivation factor for me, man. That means I'm doing something, doing something right. Sure. Uh, I'm getting eyes seen on me and uh, I get random people hit me up. And that's, and that's absolutely a big factor, man. Uh, it motivates me. Uh, but I don't let I, I don't let it get to my head to the point where it, it <coughs> nervous or stresses me out because at the end of the day, man, I'm there to fight, you know, and I'm there to entertain, and uh, you know that's just like an uh it's just an add-on, bro, to to what I get to do, man. And not only get to fight in front of an audience, but I get to fight on live television, and it, it just it does motivate me though. It does motivate me to go hard in the gym, go and go that extra mile when I'm training and kill myself. So then by the time I get in there, I'm not getting killed. No, that's yeah. I can't imagine any other scenario where it would not be a high motivating factor with that much of an audience. And yeah, dude, like essentially you are, <clears throat> you're ahead of the game with that TV deal and with the, you know, the, now there's two TV deals and it's a, you know, it's a big responsibility and it seems like you're handling it fantastically. So that's, that's awesome to hear. So, uh, so ghost pepper, we are now, we have careened, as I like to say to the 10th round of the Rhino. Now my listeners know this is always the Craigway question this is the one that's out of the box this is the one is coming in from left field the curveball if you will so here we go brother so campbell dana white scott coker and ray Seffo have all come together and they're making this super the super tournament of all 155ers you are yourself are the uh representative for combate americas and you've made it all the way to the finals you have the pick from these three guys Patricio Pitbull Fietti, Habib the Eagle, Nurga, Nurga, I can't ever say it right, Nurga Madoff, <laughs> or Natan yeah. Russo Schulte. These are the three champions of the three other organizations. Who are you fighting and how are you winning? Um, you know, I, I would uh, I would have loved to fight Khabib just due to the fact that he's undefeated, the top dog. You know, I think that he's one of the, the best 55ers in the world. And, uh, you know, the way to that I would beat him is definitely would have to be staying long and staying away from him, man, because uh, you see a lot of mistakes uh, through with a lot of past fighters. And, you know, they they start they start getting too close or, you know, and, and that's what Khabib does, man. He waits for you to just make that small, tiny mistake. And, um, you know, he pulls the trigger and he does it good, man. He does his job and and he fucking like, puts exclamation marks on it. So, you know, if I had to, I would do Khabib and I would uh, put him out with uh, striking itself and just volume, man, just high volume of punches and high volume of kicks and teeps just because uh, that'll keep them away and that'll keep them aware. And, uh, you know, that'd probably be the only way I could do it. Dude, that answer fired me up. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'm fired up right now. I want to see this fight. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say it right. Nurma Gomadov. I said it right. So my boy Juice from a different podcast from Funny With Myself, he always fucks with me because I'm not the, the the best at pronouncing certain things. So, yes, Nurma Gomadov. Practice, right? 
Even when I practice it, it's, it's I can't not, even I pronounce just, it, man. So I don't blame you, brother. <laughs> I don't I'm not jumbled. even gonna attempt it. I'll just I'll just sound like a dupe, man. <laughs> right, right. Like I don't I don't get jumbled on anything else but names. It's like my bugaboo. It's so funny. So uh, yeah, dude, we have rocked out ten rounds with Rhino. Uh, Eric, that could not have gone better. You were you were fucking extremely forthcoming, and I really really appreciate you being on, dude. And we all look forward to following your career uh, as it progresses in combate. And uh, if you don't mind, dude, once we get back to regular business here, whenever that happens, uh, we'd love to check back in with you after another fight or two and kind of see what's been going on between uh, now and then. Absolutely, man. There should be a lot be going on, you know. So uh, hopefully, I get a rematch and uh, get my back, get my way back to that title shot because, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a long time coming, and uh, I'll make it happen though for sure. Oh, dude, we yeah, we all believe in you here at over at uh, CSWR, dude, and, and we're all we're all pulling for you. So uh, again, Eric, thank you so much for being on, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for having me on the show. You bet. Peace. My name is Eric Gonzalez, and I just went ten rounds with Ryan now. You know, folks, I say it every week. And you know what? I'm never going to get tired of saying it. I love going 10 rounds with Rhino with these fighters. It is so cool to get kind of, you know, to get to know them more as people, not just as fighters, but to kind of get uh, an inside look, a behind-the-scenes look at their lives and, and their fights and what they do like and don't like. And golly, every week, man, I really, really enjoy it. So thank you, Ghost Pepper, again for coming on and going 10 rounds with the old Rhino. So... Now we have our shout outs to give, uh, obviously definitely to ghost pepper for coming on and giving a great interview, uh, shout outs to Cyrus King at Cyrus King for his writing question. Thank you to Jim Ryan and juice for your calling questions. Obviously to my boy D Rains, my engineer, my man, Drea and Dave Fretz, because without you three, the show wouldn't be nearly what it is. I couldn't do it without you. Check out Dave Fretz's uh, or Dave Fretz stuff at Dave Fretz, both on Instagram and Twitter and on uh, at Solo Shoes. Check out his awesome graphic designs. Um, I definitely want to give a shout out to everybody in the Rhino gang, 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 <laughs> for all your support week in and week out. Uh, and next week's show will be another fire 10 rounds with Rhino. With my guest being veteran of the King of the Cage, Strike Force, UFC, and now current bare knuckle fighting championship fighter, the amazing Ike Valley Flag. So we definitely want to tune in next week for that. We'll have our picks, we'll have our results, I should say, from uh, Wednesday and Saturday's UFC cards in Jacksonville. And as I like to say every week, man, stay safe out there. Only go out when you need to. Keep your social distancing. Wash your hands. Use sanitizer. We love you guys. You're all so very important. And a very happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. All the mothers out there. Uh, we love all you guys. We obviously we wouldn't be here without you. And uh, we love you so very much. So we look forward to hearing everybody's feedback. Seeing you guys next week. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you. Cage side.